Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here in the East Coast. Out West is Adam Stenko, just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops. And a little bit of life as we record this on Monday for Tuesday. We'll talk about the Houston Rockets and why it's working so well in just a moment. You doing all right, pal? I'm doing all right. Yeah, of course. Um, The intro music always gets me excited. I'm ready to go. Let's uh, let's hit some of these topics. No. So there's a whole lot of like actual basketball to talk about, but there are so many podcasts where you can get that, including yeah, on the Locked On Podcast Network. So what Adam and I like to do on the rejecting the screen is kind of go against what is commonly discussed and give you something a little bit different, like we did last week and two weeks ago. I believe it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, about how the Black Lives Matter conversation fits into the post-game interviews and all of the media sessions. And that the PR staffs for the teams need to do a better job of communicating to all parties and that there need to be separate conversations or at least an understanding between players and media that are going to answer basketball questions And we're going to make sure that all the social issues are discussed as well. The big story out of the Sixers game the other day was Shake Milton, Sixers' new point guard, Joel Embiid, not being on the same page. And another issue is that all the players aren't available after each game. They're handpicked by the PR staff. So Shake Milton comes to his Zoom call. And he is asked about the exchange between himself and Joel Embiid in that first quarter. And he says this coming on Sunday, I didn't really come here to talk about that. I came here to just say to anybody that's out there watching me or listening to me, keep fighting, keep putting the word out about what's going on. Don't let up. I mean, the iron right now is hot about what's going on with this country. And I'm reading from Keith Pompey's story in the Philadelphia Inquirer, the racial injustices that are happening. So keep fighting, keep putting that word out. It's not fair. If the players are there to play basketball, then the players also have to be there to answer questions about basketball. This whole thing has to be figured out. If we're going to be talking about basketball, players are going to be Playing basketball, writers are going to be writing about actual basketball. The television networks are going to be talking about basketball. Everybody needs to get on the same page that we are going to be talking about basketball. And yes, we can do that at the same time as discussing the major social injustices going on in this world. And there are many. But as as specifically related to the NBA's focus in Black Lives Matter, We can have this conversation at the same time, but we have to be able to have both conversations. Here's the concern for me. That article that you sent actually did what the intent of this stuff that we had discussed before was getting at, which was, hey, we're going to take basketball situations and turn the focus into Breonna Taylor. We're going to take basketball situations and turn the focus into racial injustice, into a Black Lives Matter discussion, into police brutality, whatever whatever the social issue that 
that the individual wants to bring to the forefront or even collectively what they're trying to bring. They said, like, we're going to keep focus and we're not going to lose sight of that's the main goal. And the article ended up doing that. Right. So here you read this inquiry article. You're like, OK, what, what's going on with Shake Milton and, and Joel Embiid? Because the Shake Milton story was a big basketball story that Ben Simmons was moved away from the point guard position, that Shake Milton was taken over. And by the way, had some disastrous incidents. The results on the whole were kind of disastrous. He really played a poor game. And it, it was a basketball discussion to be had. My concern is, to your point, here this article laid it out, did exactly what they said. My concern is, how much gets lost? Because now, how much gets lost? There aren't going to be that many pieces in which people are going to say they're going to take the stance that that they did in the inquiry that Pompey did, where it's, hey, look, Shake Milton was asked about this riff or this beef he might potentially have with Joel Embiid. They had a weird inbounds play that was like stolen. They were yelling back and forth. Started, I think, over a defensive play, and then he turned the ball over a couple times. But really, what ended up happening is a call for. Uh, Brianna just uh, Brianna Taylor's uh, killers to be brought to justice, and and then it went into detail about that. Here's my thing: How many people are going for the Shake Milton article? That may have read that, may not, but like now, like we're like, okay, what about the Shake Milton Joel Embiid thing? And so now they're not really paying attention to what you're saying. And by the way, if you continually do this, fine, you keep it in the news, all that. My concern is going to be that then now other stories could be planted. Things come out. We don't get the basketball side of this. And I'm a little bit concerned about us not having the basketball side, too, to like you're saying, because it needs to be a controlled message. And right now, it seems like it's just so inconsistent and it's going to be delivered by the wrong, not the wrong people, but almost in the wrong way, if that's if that makes sense. I understand the beating of the drum idea that like eventually people have to listen and they are. But I think at the same time, like, I don't want the Keith Pompeys of the world to tune out the message when it's a really good, concise, strong, to the point, direct call for action. And, and to that point, we oftentimes hear from players, you didn't hear that from me. That's not the real story. You don't know the real story. What happens here when the other side of the story is told by somebody else Maybe it's through Joel Embiid. Maybe it's through anonymous sources about what happened out there on the floor, about what is going on. But Jake Milton didn't want to talk about it. Exactly. So there was his opportunity to actually talk about it. So, again, it, it goes back to we can have all of these conversations because I do know for a fact that it was on the players' minds going there. How are we supposed to continue this conversation if we're playing basketball? How are we supposed to do it? There has to be more thought put into it between – the Players Association, the Basketball Writers Association of America, and I know they've met, and also team PR staffs, so that more players are made available and that the stories can actually be told, all of them. And look, I get you're listening to this and say, hey, who wants to hear the opinion of Noah and Adam about the messaging of police brutality? But what I don't want to get lost in this is I'm not weighing in on what anyone should be saying. I'm not weighing in on how loud they should be saying it. And mm. In fact, I I will lead the charge and support any of it. I want to support that. And Absolutely. I want to amplify the messages. So the way I would sort of pose this to someone listening and has that thought, which, which I can get, it's like, okay, well, why does it matter what you guys think about this? It, 
I've been in broadcasting journalism for over 20 years. Noah, you are a guy who not only has done radio, but you've done TV. But in addition to that being your expertise, you also advise professional athletes in the media space. So one thing you understand is how to amplify your message and how to get people to listen, not necessarily the content or what's being said, but how does the person receiving it actually receive it? So I would just pose this question before we move on to you. And that is, what would you tell people about what should, how Shake Milton should handle this, how players should handle it? And we've of course talked about it in the past, but I don't think again that we could, we could discuss it enough because I think this would be helpful not only are we, we're not complaining about this, we're saying here's the path. So go ahead. What's the path for? Well, I mean, I think that you answer the questions that you're asked. You have a pre-prepared statement if you'd like to make one about the social injustices, about Breonna Taylor, about police brutality. And you deliver that either in the beginning or at the end. Because either way, it's going to be captured on video, whether somebody else writes it about it, includes it in their stories or not. That's one thing. It's going to be out there on video and that the player himself can then clip that video and you can get it from the team. And your the player's platform is oftentimes the biggest. So the player himself, instead of the reporter, the player himself can then use that video for their own purposes to amplify their voice. Also, I do think that the reporters and players need to get on the same page. And this can be done simply through team PR that, Hey, every single day we are going to, because it can't be every single player available for time purposes. It just can't happen, I guess, where every single player is available just like they are in in the locker rooms, et cetera. But you have certain players every day who have unique thoughts and new thoughts all the time about the social injustices and what's going on in our country, they are made available. So say you take two and you have two guys who are answering basketball questions and that's how you go about it. Because there's, there's no, there's no perfect solution, but Mm -hmm. all sides can be handled appropriately here. Coming up, how the Houston Rockets are winning and can it continue this way? seems like we've been asking that question for years until you get to a certain point in the playoffs. So we'll answer that next. So Noah, when you and I are sitting here having these discussions, whatever it is, we both love to talk. And not only do we sit here doing our, conducting our interviews or having the one-on-one discussion that we're having or recording is on or off, it doesn't matter. We're, we're sitting around for a while, right? I mean, both of us, the way we love to talk, we're going to be sitting around for a while. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete, or a stay-at-home parent, or you're just Noah and Adam who love to talk to each other eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, which is seemingly what it probably times out to for us typically. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Well, good for us, Noah, and good for our listeners. Our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. So here's the deal. CBD Freeze with Menthol, It's an incredible product, an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Then CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica 
and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. Then you've got CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else, CBDMD has to offer. They're offering all of our Rejecting the Screen listeners 25% off. 25% off your next order Mm. when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com and use this promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. We really should have led the show with this one, and we're going to get to the Rockets in a moment, but the the TJ Warren 53, and you nailed this, that we would see, <laughs> really can't believe we didn't lead the show with this, that yeah. we would see role players have the, those out-of-body experiences because there's nothing on the outside distracting. It's just a small gym, and they're out there shooting the basketball, and most guys in the league can do that. And you you called it the Marco Bellinelli three, and TJ Warren was the first one dropping fifty three against the Sixers. Yeah, guys are just playing loose, and I, that was what I knew would happen going in. We we didn't know what the rust would look like, what guys being in basketball shape would look like, but we knew for a fact that <laughs> two things are true: one, NBA players regardless of what your thought about them might be by watching them on TV on a daily basis, NBA players are incredibly good and they are especially good shooters. And number two, that when guys get under the bright stage and the big lights and 20,000 fans, it changes who you are as a player, as an individual, the tension sets in, you're not getting as much legs on your shots, all those things. And the superstar players, Marginal difference in their game, in a practice session, in a workout session to what they do on the big stage. But when you start going down to your second tier, third tier and below guys, they are impacted a lot more, especially on the road. So now you take away home court advantage, number one, but then you just take away fans altogether, lose that tension. And I'm not counting the virtual fans or, you know, a picture of Kevin Garnett or something virtually in in the background. But you take away all that stuff. And now... Guys are playing loose, relaxed, and they're going to have big-time scoring outings, just like we see in summer league every year. And you go, why can't that guy replicate that in a game? Because that's not who Marco Bellinelli is. And that's and TJ Warren had a career-high 40 points before his crazy outburst the other night, and he goes for 53. And I just think on a bigger stage, Noah, it, it really refers to this idea that guys are playing just completely loose, and so you're now going to see just – a different style of game. And we even saw with the Rockets, they take 61 threes. We know they take a lot of threes. That's what they do. But to go out NBA record number amount and a lot of behind the back passes, no look passes. I just see a totally different loose style player. And Daniel House is a perfect example of that. He went out, he had 16 in the game two nights ago. Well, we're recording this on Monday. Either way, the second game, he had 20 in the first game. And I think everybody had 20 in that one. And he went six to twelve or three in that first game, the wild one against Dallas. I've been really impressed with with Russ. Yes. Despite so he went ten to twelve from the line in the first in in the second game. Didn't shoot real well from the line in the first game. Thirteen of thirty from the floor, ten of twenty-one mm-hmm. from the floor, and he's two of six from three. 
I'm okay with the two of six from three because he's only taken three threes per game. One for three, one for three, because he's getting to the hoop. There is so much space for Russ just to Mm. get to the basket. And that's what makes Russ so devastating. That's his game. Getting into the getting towards the basket, creating for himself or others. So that's why I do think what the Rockets are doing, Russ and James Harden together, and how this whole thing can work. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. What we sort of talked about, how's this going to look? Is it going to work? We knew there'd be two dynamic players on the floor for the Rockets, especially when it came down to crunch time. And there was talk like how they're going to get along, who's going to take big shots, all that. They almost don't seem to care. And it's weird. They almost operate like they're on almost like different teams that, that it's not like they seem to be great friends or anything. There's not a lot of, it's, it's not a lot of chemistry, but it's kind of, but the best part is there's no frustration about the other guy taking it. And that's what you have to do when you're playing with either of those guys, because both of them offensively could be incredibly frustrating to play with, obviously, because they take so many shots and they dominate the ball, but in their situation, they are deadly in the clutch. And to your point about Russ, it was wild seeing him against Milwaukee because of the spacing, because you've got guys like Daniel House and you've got P.J. Tucker, who's always in the corner. And you've uh, got Robert Covington, who is not your traditional big, obviously. He's a small forward, essentially, playing the center position. So you have this crazy spacing. Russ had a late possessions where the Bucks were matching up Giannis against him. And Russ was like licking his chops because he's like, well, if I can get by Giannis, I have a free lane to the basket. Like that, and so he's trying to attack the best defensive player, in my opinion, in basketball. Mm-hmm. So it was it was wild to see that 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 was the setup for them. And then defensively, it looks like they're in trouble because they get killed on the glass. Other teams really rebound the ball well, but PJ Tucker gets so many like sneaky steals for guys. If you bring the ball down against PJ Tucker, he is swiping it from you every time. He's just way too strong, lower center of gravity for a guy his size who matches up against fours and occasionally fives. And then same thing with Robert Covington, who's so athletic and such a smart defensive player. He's great in rotational defense. Their only issue is that they don't rebound the ball at a really high rate uh, on the, on the defensive glass. And that could be a killer for them, but not too many teams post up and they're sneaky good defensively in terms of how quick they are with their hands. So um, they're going to cause some interesting problems. And again, late game situations, You've got Russ and Harden. I don't know that there's another duo that I'd be more terrified of if it was a close game. Right, right. So who then scares you against the Rockets? Anthony Davis, clearly. Mm-hmm. I think even Nurk has to scare you a bit, having a big guy, having a big guy down there. And so it's are you looking at the Rockets against are you taking away something more from the Rockets Mavs games, something more from the Rockets Bucks game? As we record this on Monday, they play the Blazers on Tuesday night. Then they've got the Lakers on Thursday, Kings on Sunday. They've got then Mm -hmm. the Spurs, Pacers, Sixers to close things out. So as I've said, I'm not – I'm still not going to be taking away anything from these eight games for any one of these teams. Absolutely. Just because as time moves on here, I do think that – some teams are going to grind to a halt and other teams will continue to roll because we, we just don't know what is going on team chemistry wise mentally in this bubble. But I would be I'd be more apt to take something away from how the Rockets play against 
the Blazers and the Lakers than the way they play against the Bucks or the Mavericks. I, I agree with all that. And the one thing I will say about the Rockets that I think, you know, that we, we already touched on is this idea that if, if we know the games are going to be loose and we've seen them be look opening night scoring was low, but since then it's been way up. We know that the Rockets are going to take tons of threes. Guys are going to play loose. They already play a loose brand of basketball. They already play what equates to like this weird pickup and then they play small ball and all this. And it's kind of crazy sometimes. Again, seeing them getting crushed on the boards and then you see like Tyson Chandler come out and you're like, oh, wait, yeah, they have some some people they could technically put in, but that's not what they want to do. They're going to play their style and they're just going to stick with it the entire time. Hope they stay close. And then Harden and Russell are going to win games late for them. Uh, Russ driving and Harden shooting threes and getting to the line. But I think. Noah, what's interesting is just they already play loose. And then when you factor in that it feels like a pickup game and now they feel like they even have the green light to play even looser, mm-hmm. this is a team you just do not you do not want to touch. And I would have said that going into this, and I'm saying it even more so now, but I'm with you. I don't know that these eight games are impacting my decision. I just sort of felt that way before we even saw play take place. All right, talk about playing loose. Luca. Mm. Talk about not playing much at all. Zion, who do you take, Luca or Zion? So we've all been waiting for this day since March. Sports are back. And now that it's here, that my bookie is all of that. The home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, all of it, all rolled into one. If you want to bet, that's the spot. They've got up-to-minute odds on all your favorite teams. With Major League Baseball here, you can start. The NBA is here. Hockey's here. And my book, it's really easy. You bet, you win, and they pay. So if you're feeling good about whatever team you've got this year, your team's chances, just be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets for baseball. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. Even begun. Again, <laughs> we don't have to start with baseball because you can do the same thing for hoops, hockey, football. Expect, they're accepting bets on, on everything. If you join today, my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 baseball wager. So all you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D, on NBA. Locked on NBA when signing up, you get a free $10 Major League Baseball future wager. Future wager is win the division, win the pennant, win the World Series, that type of thing. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Hey, Adam, starting a franchise today. Who are you taking? Luca or Zion? Uh, man, this is such a difficult question. I, I am so worried about Zion. I, I don't know that I could ever turn down world-class talent. But I am so terrified about his future. Well, I, Luca I, I is world class talent. No, and then that goes. And I was going to finish with that, but saying yes, of course. And I don't care whether you're looking statistically. I mean, what's he averaging? Like twenty nine, nine and eight, something absurd for a second year guy. And not to mention how he carries teams. And I was going to get into Luca in a moment. Of course, he's world class. But I'm saying you may be talking about one of the most rare physical specimens, I should say, that's ever. He is one of the most rare physical specimens that's ever been in the NBA is, is, is Zion Williamson. And 
and what his potential is and the kind of teammate he is and the kind of person he is. Like, I, I think the world of him right now, what Luca is continuing to do and his improvement is just incredible. And I'm so worried about the Zion injury thing that if I, you're forcing me to choose, I think I'm going Luca over, over Zion Williamson. And I don't know that I would have said that a month ago. I don't know that I would have said that certainly wouldn't have said it six months ago and a year ago, but like what, what it is that Luca is, is bringing to the table. He's so much quicker. And that was the one knock that you could, you could go against him was, Okay, he's a little bit slow. Athletically, he's he's not a bad athlete. He was always, and his hand eye is incredible. But like, it was always okay. But he's not as quick as other guys. Now he's taking on all comers. It doesn't matter, and trying to beat them uh, to the basket with like straight line drives and stuff. He's attacking. He's so much quicker. He's active. So a better Luca, which is bananas to think about the season he was already having. And then now you've got this. Zion and bubble wrap and a limits restri- a minutes restriction and a critical situation here. I'm very worried about the future for for Zion Williams. How about you? Who are you choosing? You know, I'm taking Luca. And and before the season started, when I was on Sirius Radio, we did those the top 25 players you would start a franchise with and rank them in order. And I had Luca at three, and I got destroyed. Like I was the only one who had him really high. Really, and really? I had him. At th- I had him at three. And Who destroyed you? Let's 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 name names real quick, just so we can call these people out. I'm fairly certain it was so long ago, but I'm fairly certain Isola did. Mitch Lawrence, yeah, of course. Mm, I don't know who else. No, those two, those two did. Um, no, maybe Evan Cohen. Okay. Either way, Zion's played 21 games in his NBA career. And you can talk to me about potential all you want. And I'll talk to you about Luca's potential. Because who's to say right now that Zion's potential is that much higher than Luca's mm-hmm. potential? Mm-hmm. And if you want to say that, okay, maybe it, how much higher can Luca go? Uh, how much higher does he really need to go? I mean, the guy's like, he's, he's 21 years old. And he's, as you said, he's like 29, 9, and 8. And he's played 128 games already. So, and he's, you know, he's playing 33 minutes a night. So don't, I, I don't need to hear about, well, what he could be. Well, if this is what Luca is, why wouldn't we think he'd get even a little bit better? And if he gets a little bit better, he's an all-time great. And, and all oh, yeah. indications are that he's great to play with also. And that Zion is a great kid and everybody enjoys being around him. And I love the way he carries himself but he's got to be actually on the floor. And yeah, we've seen Joel Embiid dominate at certain times, but Joel and Joel Embiid was held back in his development because of injuries and, and much more significant injuries than, than Zion has dealt with. But Joel Embiid still faces those questions now a few years into the league. You start talking about the best young talent in this league. The league's got a lot of reasons to be excited, but there are huge question marks around Zion Williamson, there's huge questions. There are huge question marks around Joel Embiid. I I think the two guys that I would say, the young players that are that are just absolute superstars, who I don't have major questions about, are are Luca and and Trey Young. <laughs> and Trey Young, a guy, you know, 29 and 9 this year, and just absurd talent himself. And we forget about him because we're not seeing it in wins, whereas the Mavs are now in the playoffs. But the but 
what's really wild, as you point out, like, I don't know what I would even question about Luca at this point. It was, okay, well, yeah, it's, but it's the EuroLeague. It's like, well, yeah, but he was an MVP of the EuroLeague and he's doing it as a teenager. Yeah, that's true. But I started to question like, okay, but physically, is he an elite athlete? Well, okay, he wasn't an elite athlete, but now you look at him and I'm telling you, he's going up against, he's see, he's getting excited when Russell Westbrook's guarding him because he says, okay, I'm going to take him off the dribble. It just shows the kind of physical talent that he has. It's not just a mental thing for him. He's obviously got great size, but his quickness is just entirely different. He was already quick. He's now fast. That's what I should probably be saying. Mm-hmm. And so that to me says, here's a guy who took the one thing you could even sort of say is not a weakness, but it makes him average or mediocre. And that's a strength. Like, <laughs> F that, man. Like, this guy's future is just insane. And I, I've literally seeing him in, in two games returning has completely changed my opinion about his just long term. Again, not that he wasn't great now, not that I wasn't already shocked by it, but, I, but thinking that this guy is going to be an MVP in the next couple of years. And now I feel like if he's going to be in the discussion every year until the, in the foreseeable future. Check out everything else going on on the yeah. Locked On Podcast Network. That's Locked On NBA five days a week. Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, all things NBA Draft. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan. And also your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. On Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaysmithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Rejecting the screen every Tuesday and Thursday. Thursday, the long-form edition going ISO with anybody and everybody that's touched the NBA right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.